Daryl Grove and sitting across the table from me, it's a man who knows how to watch a soccer game. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. Here I sit. Hopefully I do. We shall find out though. So today's episode is, it's going to answer the question that people have asked us before, how do you guys watch games? Because we do a lot of analysis, can say the word, for the Total Soccer Show. I think people want to know, like, what's our method? What's our process? Mm -hmm. So... This sounds self-indulgent, but I think people people want to know how we do this, right? This can be a guide how to watch soccer for tactics, essentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, because there are obviously lots of different ways to watch games. Uh, yeah, on drunk in a bar is one. That's the best way. Obviously, it's the way you get the most out of it with no it's emotion involved. It's the least involved. analytical way. Yes. The most shouty way. Yeah, so there are many ways to do it, but this is the way that I think works uh, for us. I'm going to say like kind of like individually, but also as a unit. Yes. That like, if one of us is just screaming at the TV the whole time, which has never happened, <laughs> I don't think, but if it did, it sort of I mean, colors the opinion of the other. October 2017 was a bit shouty. We were just quiet. <laughs> we were just... We, we weren't mad, we were disappointed, but also mad is about where we were on that day. So we haven't compared notes. Mm-mm. I've got my notes on how I do this. You've got your notes on how you do this. Uh-huh. This will be interesting to see if we disagree because I feel like we've been doing the same thing all yeah. these years. My, my idea is that we just trade back and forth um, things that we do while sure. we watch games to try and figure out tactics and things like that. I would ask you to just start as basic as possible. We'll start easy and maybe move on to the harder things as we go. All right. Fair? Uh, yes, I think I'm going to take it in a slightly difficult way first, though, because I'm going to move us away from TV for a second, because I think watching in TV and watching in person are two somewhat different, not completely yeah. different things. Okay. So all I had was like just the pointer that it's way easier to watch a game tactically in person. So okay. if you have the opportunity, yeah. go to a game in person because the camera is focused on the ball and who's on the ball and then showing you highlights. It's not focused on how high up is the defense? Are they pressing from the front? Yeah, What's yeah. that midfielder doing? But if you're there in person, you can look at any part of the field you want. Exactly. Right? You're, exactly. Not, you're not dependent on a producer telling you uh, what, what to do. Exactly. Right? And you can even watch the coaches. You can see are the coaches ha- happy with what's happening? Are they yep. screaming? Are they yelling? Are they directing certain people to do certain things? All of that is much easier in person. So obviously it's easier to watch games yes. on TV. Mm-hmm. And if you're talking about analyzing a specific game, it is quite hard to definitely get tickets to a game. Yep. But are you also saying that in terms of just learning how to analyze a game, if you want to analyze a Champions League game, mm-hmm. is it worth going and watching a USL game yes. just to get that experience? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, honestly, I think it's even like if, you're, if your kids are playing at a fairly high level, if you have kids, don't just show up to a random youth tournament. That could be weird. Uh, <laughs> but if like you can see what coaches are trying to do, the adjustments that are being made, you can even get an idea of the shape, I think, just from watching live soccer, okay. period. So yes. tip number one is go and watch some live mm-hmm. soccer to get the full experience, and that yes. will inform, make you a better informed soccer watcher yes so that is now out of the way we can talk about the way most people will end up watching soccer the way you and i will end up watching most soccer is on television okay so the first thing i think people want to know is like how how is it that we are able to say this team is playing this formation yeah right Mm -hmm. one of the easy ways is look it up to begin with right usually like i don't know soccer way or i use use google cards those things are good or any website will have here's the starting formation right Mm -hmm. there's a 70 percent chance that it's correct but don't fully trust it. 
Mm-mm. right? But it's a good starting point to at least think, because then you can look at what they say the formation is and where the players are, and you can use that as a reference or a baseline to be like, okay, here's what they say. Does that match what I see on TV? And already you're in the mindset of asking questions and checking what things are. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I I agree with you, except that my note is uh, disregard the TV lineups. I I didn't say TV lineups. I said internet lineups. They're way, way better. But but I think like what I mean by that more so, I think it applies either way, is just that like see what people think is going to happen, see what the TV lineup is or what the MLS soccer lineup is for an MLS game or US game or soccer way or what have you. But then don't look at that as like, oh, this is definitely what they're doing. Because if you do that, you're putting yourself in a like arbitrary construct to begin with of like, yep. oh, they're definitely in a 4-4-2 yeah. when the team is in a 3-5-2. So, and it might take you a while to notice like, oh, wait, hold on. That was totally wrong. So the key is ask yourself questions. Yes. If you're watching with a partner mm-hmm. or a friend or whatever, ask them questions, right? Mm-hmm. And you both pay attention to the game and you can figure those things out together. A quick example of that would be uh, USL League One uh, or ASPN Plus, whoever is in charge of it tends to get the wrong graphics for a lot of the Richmond oh, Kickers games we've seen. It's almost like they're deliberately doing it. Yeah, but like, but maybe. That's Fullbacks a, in central midfield, wingers in defense. Like, it's a yeah. weird cry for help from Anything. the person who's in charge of graphics. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. I signed up for hockey. Uh, I don't know what this game is. Shots fired at Vista World Sports. Indeed. Uh, that's the production company. And uh, deservedly fired, I would add. <laughs> um, but like, I think sometimes you and I will have that conversation. Like, is there any way this guy who usually plays left back is playing center midfield or is this center midfielder is playing right wing? And sometimes it is. Sometimes we'll be like, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I saw them do that, you know, in like a U.S. Open Cup game or they did this recently yeah. or like you watched a different friendly than I did when we extend it to international coverage. And it will be a helpful way of discussing it yeah. versus like. They say he's a right midfielder, but we know he's not going to be on uh-huh. the right side. And someone like Philip Lahm or whatever, that occasionally happened. Yeah, right? He exactly. would just be right back and then he would be in central midfield. Yeah. All right, here's the big question. Yeah. How do you determine what formation a team is playing? If you're watching on TV and you're trying to figure out mm-hmm. what the formation is, what are the methods you use to, to sort of decide what it is? I think uh, a couple things. Like, number one is I try not to make a just quick, like, scan of the field in the first minute. Because a lot of times if you do that, again, I think the biggest thing with watching a game tactically is not letting a momentary sample size dictate your entire understanding of the game. That if you happen to see the left back push forward... Like for like one moment, and you're like, oh, they're in a back three now. They're definitely in a back three. Yeah, yeah. And that was just a like that happened sometimes. It was temporary because the left yeah, back went forward. That yeah. will happen with you and me, where I'll be like, oh, the left back's oh, they're in a back three. They're, well, that's crazy. There, and you're like, ah, I think he maybe just chased <laughs> that ball a little bit for the forward, and you see that left back drop yeah. in. But if you persist in the idea that no, they're definitely in a back three, then again, you're right. shaping the game from your own perspective. That's what not to do. Yes. All right. So then, what I would say is basically, it's you looking at like dead ball situations, yes. especially goal kicks, is yes. one where I think you can really easily see the rudimentary shape you can see definitely in the back four high Mm -hmm. line maybe not high line you can see sort of who is operating centrally who is spread wide goal kicks are very good for that but i would say it's a you kind of got to check in every couple minutes just to be like okay yeah michael bradley is still central and (laughs) hasn't become a wide midfielder for whatever reason and i would even argue that a lot of teams now have an attacking shape and a defensive shape so if you watch a team take its own goal kick you can sort of see what the attacking Mm -hmm. shape is if you watch the opposition team take a goal kick you can see what the team that you're looking at's defensive shape is so that's a great restart a goal kick is a great restart to look at a team because that's the chance for everybody to get back in position get back in shape it's teams essentially resetting resettling getting ready i think that's when you're most likely to see the base formation yep Yep. i I agree and then i I think 
moving off that, if say we're, let's go with the Richmond Kickers as a like hometown example, okay. if the Kickers take a goal kick short and they play it to one of their center backs, I think in game or on TV you can start to see like okay, there's definitely two center backs they're staying that way. So I think even if they play short off that goal kick, it gives you an idea of roughly their transitioning into attack shape. Yeah, so you can see true. those sort of transitions as well off of the set pieces. All right. Um, another thing you always talk about is don't watch the ball. Right. Right. So I wanted to almost not steal that point and set you up for it. <laughs> I mean, you can steal if you want to. Uh, but yeah, I, I think... But that's if, the mistake most people will make, right? Yeah. If you're watching it and sort mm-hmm. of paying attention, but you're just following the ball, you're kind of missing everything. I mean, the ball is only in one place and the field is very big. I would almost argue <laughs> that the only... True. I would also argue that the, like, the reason to watch the ball is if you want to see what a specific person is doing with it or if you're looking to see who is on the ball most frequently. Because that yeah. can help you. If it is the left center back routinely is on the ball more than anybody else, then that can show you... Like, that can at least tell you, like, is that a thing they're trying to do or is that a thing they're being forced into versus they want their attacking midfielder to have the ball? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So I think, but aside from that, yeah, you want to try to look at, like, okay, when the ball is further up the field, what's the defense doing? Who is moving into support? Who is pushing further forward? Yeah. If they're in defense, who is, like, dropping back? Who is keeping shape? Who is pressuring the ball? And these are just questions you've got to keep asking yourself yep. while you watch, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. you've got to consciously not look at the ball and look at, okay— when the ball's on the left wing, mm-hmm. what is the attacking right back doing? Yeah. Is he moving up to be a wide option to switch the field of play, which is what like Reggie Cannon did for the US at the Gold Cup, for example? Mm-hmm. Or does he stay home with the centre-backs in a more defensive shape? And then you'll really know sort of what that team plan is. Yeah, exactly. I, I think with that, though, that you've got to like... We're giving a lot of instructions that make this sound very difficult, but I, I compare it to like a real-time strategy game where you have to kind of pay attention to 14 things at once, and therefore you cannot give anything 100% of your attention. Yeah. And I think that like... This sounds a little bit abstract, but you have to be able to be like, oh, okay, Daryl is stepping to the ball. I feel like Daryl's been tasked with stepping to the ball when it's in midfield. I'll check back on that later, but right now I'm going to pay attention to this other thing. You can't just keep watching that one player because yeah. otherwise you just focus individually on that one yeah. and not everything else that's happening. It's kind of hard, right? You have to scatter your attention a little oh, yeah. bit, look at the right back for a bit, look at the midfielder yep. for a bit, mm-hmm. uh, figure things out. Um, all right, ad break coming. There's one more thing I want to get to. Let's do it. Look for man marking. I feel like okay. increasingly there's often a plan to man mark like the – Defensive midfielder who's distributing the ball. Yep. The, uh, the number six, if you listen to our What Do The Numbers Mean mm-hmm. uh, episode. And I think there will be certain situations where you will see very specific and influential players being man-marked by the opposition to try and cut off passes to them. I think that's an off-the-ball thing that's really worth looking for because that, that really tells you, one, who the most important player is, mm-hmm. and two, what the opposition team is doing to try and stop the, the flow of the ball to that player. I don't disagree, but this is one of the things, and I have this, we can talk about it now or later on, but like I struggle sometimes with patterns. And in that moment, like I, I am very slow to pick up on, like, oh, this player is deliberately man-marking this player or this creative player or what have you. And I think that's something that I tend to end up reading after the fact because I think I struggle in that moment to see those two things simultaneously. Like, yeah. what is this player doing? Oh, but this player's on them. Is that a thing that's happening routinely? So is there a way that you find easier to sort of pay yeah. attention to man marking or to know when that's happening? Um, the thing is, either alone or with someone else, to see it once mm-hmm. and say, is that just coincidental? Yeah. And then, or is it happening again? And the only way then is to check back mm-hmm. maybe a couple of minutes later and see if it's a repeated pattern. So yeah. I think... The, the thing with pattern recognition that I find is really hard is you can't accidentally see it. You have to almost see what might be a pattern and then check later, is it a pattern? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's I, the only I, method I can think of. I do, do, and I think that's uh, – I'm going back to my notes real fast, but I believe that's what I have is patterns can be hard unless you're specifically looking yeah. for them. But you, so that's, that's about being alert, right? You've yeah. got to see something and ask yourself, 
is that a pattern? Mm-hmm. And then check, check in on that next time, a couple of minutes later, and find out whether it's a pattern or whether it's a thing that just randomly happened. All right. I have another <laughs> point on patterns that I think will be useful. But first, I think we should, probably should talk about today's sponsor, our friends over at Postmates. Postmates, the sponsors of the first season of Soccer 101. Indeed, they fly over the moon on their bicycles to deliver you your products. That or is their logo, s- right? Or so their logo would have you believe. It's very ET-ish. It is. Maybe ET delivers it? I'm going to say that's probably not unintentional. Or Elliot. Is it Elliot as the kid? I think so. Yeah, let's yes. say it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so whatever you need. Finger. Finger. <laughs> if you need a finger. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you do, go to the hospital. <laughs> go to the hospital. Don't go to Postmates no. for fingers or other body parts. But any type of I think food, that's mafia mates is they, what you want to go to. They will that. get you medicine. Mm-hmm. They can go to CVS or Walgreens. That's on the list of things they'll go and uh, pick up and deliver for you. Any type of food, groceries, mm-hmm. anything else, Postmates delivers it postmate it to verb now yes. postmate it and i think a key thing there would be anything you're craving and i say that yeah. intentionally because there can be those don't t- fingers don't do that but there can be those times also don't do what i'm about to say which is like there can be those times when maybe you've had a few drinks and it's like you've gotten home from the bar it's 11 o'clock and you're like oh, i could do some food i'll drive to get food right now don't do that use postmates postmates will deliver you that food you won't go to jail then you won't go out of jail go exactly jail. exactly where they will deliver you your food but it will not be pleasant food in jail <laughs> It's very, uh, yeah. very predictable. I don't know if Postmates delivers there, but other people will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure you're allowed to get Postmates deliveries <laughs> in jail. Um, yeah, so, um, also, if you're one of those people who mm-hmm. just doesn't like going to the store. You know some people just don't like the social interaction? You? Raising Come hands. On. Yeah. You're always chatty when, I, you get to the, when you get to the register. I think you pointed this out very well, that I tend to be chatty, but then somehow I get sucked into like, longer chats yeah. that, are, that are less like, you, you how are you doing? And more of a like... Let me tell you about my grandkid. It's like, oh boy, okay, here we go. If you don't want to hear a thesis from someone at the register, (laughs) you can use Postmates. Um, Someone from Postmates will go and collect the thing you want, bring it to you. They'll hear the thesis register. My brother, (laughs) I went to watch my niece play soccer and my brother was like, yeah, yeah, definitely come, but like, you got to tone down the conversation a little bit. <laughs> like, really? like, or he was like, you got to fight down a little bit. <laughs> uh, so you can download the app, the Postmates app for um, iOS, yep. which is Apple mm-hmm. or Android, for free, F-R-E-E. Um, and then you can browse local restaurants, businesses, and then you can track your delivery in real time. And best of all, uh, for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100. That's all caps. That's a big deal. Okay. $100 of free <laughs> delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code SOC. That's Soccer for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. So you won't pay any more than if you went to the store. So that mm-hmm. the delivery part will be free for seven days, unless you yeah. somehow spent over $100 in deliveries. In which case, yeah. well done, but also, what are you doing? Go to the store. <laughs> Go to the store at that point. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Download Postmates and save with the code Soccer. All right. Thank you very much to Postmates for sponsoring today's episode of Soccer 101. I want to go back to patterns for a moment because I think one thing that I I like – actively was working on during the Women's World Cup, I mean this sincerely, was like trying to use like the the reptile like background part of my brain, to, infor- brain? Yeah, to inform what's happening with patterns. Because there are so many times that we'll be like, huh, we haven't seen Tobin Heath on the field much or like we haven't seen her on the ball much. Wow, we've seen Megan Rapinoe on the ball a lot. And I can like say that in my head and then immediately dismiss it, whereas my brain has just told me the pattern. My yeah, brain yeah. has told me they're attacking on the left side through Megan Rapinoe. Yeah, yeah. They're not using Tobin Heath to attack as much. So the key part is to then ask yourself, why is that? Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. I, think, I honestly think the key to all this is just to keep asking questions. Yep. Ask it to someone you're watching with or ask it to yourself. Yeah. 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 And, and, and then try and answer it, obviously. And that's <laughs> an, 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 another one I had is like asking to yourself is fine. Asking to other people around you is fine. 
telling to other people around you is where I think that's where I get frustrated. It's yeah. like if you yell, like, why are they in a four five one? This doesn't make any sense. They need a goal. Again, people around you don't really want conflict. Will probably be like, oh, I guess they're in a four five one. And if you listen to the screaming person in the bar, that tends to be how you see the game. Yeah. But if you're asking, if I say to Daryl, hey, are they in a four five one? You're much more inclined to be like, oh no, 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 they're doing this, as opposed yeah. to me being like, I can't believe they're in a four five one. Well, honestly, if they are in a four five one, there might be a good reason. Mm-hmm. So the, the question that you just yelled yeah. might be worth trying to answer. Yeah. The answer might be that they think the best chance is to absorb a bit of pressure yeah. and then counterattack. I think you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I 100% do because I think that's where it's always better to be asking the questions because then you're trying to figure it out. Even if the coach is wrong, even if they've gotten the tactics wrong, you're still trying to figure out what they're doing as opposed to just being annoyed that it's happening. Yep. That doesn't really help you understand what's going on. It just makes you angrier uh, in the long run. And before we get into super detailed stuff, I've got two big picture things. One is pay attention to the whole game. That's probably right. A good idea. If you're casually watching and you're yep. distracted and you're talking or you're on Twitter mm-hmm. or you're like in a bar drinking and not really watching, you're not going to be able to analyze the game because mm-hmm. you're not going to have enough information. If you really want to do this, you've got to watch, I want to say, almost every second of the game. Yeah. Pay attention to the entire thing. Uh, the second thing is, a thing that we do a lot, is if you really want to, rewatch it. Because then you take the emotion out of it. You take the, the narrative is already set. You know that this team won 2-1. And then you can watch it and you can watch for tactics. You can pause and look at this and that. And you're not so worried about the flow of the game. So I think a, an emotionless rewatch is a, a good way to go if you're trying to analyze for tactics. I agree. And that's coming from a person who does not like watching games knowing the score. Yeah. That, like, if, if we have, like if we have that option, you, I think, will usually say, like, oh, I'm fine with knowing the score. Let's just watch the yeah, game. Yeah. I prefer the suspense. But you're absolutely right that there have been many 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 games where we have been like this didn't make sense why did they do this this oh this was so dangerous and they were so deadly and then we rewatch it again without the live like emotional aspect of it it's just like oh they're clearly doing this the whole game how did we there have been a ton of times that we're like how do we not see that it makes sense in hindsight right Mm -hmm. it's like if you watch the sixth sense all the way to the end and (laughs) you go back and you're like oh i can see it now Color you know red, the color red, my friend. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's, there's lots going on there, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> color red means they're dead. Is there that you right? Go. Six sense. Yeah, didn't mm-hmm. know that. You're welcome. All right. Also, uh, spoiler alert for six sense. I'm like, I tried not to. I tried not to. I feel like you you did it anyway. Uh, Bruce Willis is alive the whole time. Does that help? Does that help? Is that a helpful thing? Bruce Willis is getting paid the whole time. There we go. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> he always makes sure of that in his movies. Ignore the commentary. Yep. Even if it's good, mm-hmm. even if it's like Ray Hudson and you enjoy him, yep. um, commentary will distract you from what's happening on the field. Yes. They don't talk about the specific things that happen on the field. If you listen to the commentators, and again, I'm not throwing shade at any commentators here. If you listen to the commentators, they will be talking about things that are other than what's happening, yeah. and they will distract you. They will drag your attention elsewhere. You won't be able to analyze the game if you're thinking about where someone's hometown is. And, true. Or someone's parents are there or whatever. And, and I don't mean this as... It's always important to know if the, if the parents are in attendance. Uh, I don't even mean this as like shade because it's a normal thing that if you're a person who's narrating a thing that's happening, you want to create a narrative. Yes. You want to have the game in a lot of ways like like basically fit in with your narrative. So if it's Cristiano Ronaldo starting for Portugal and he ends up scoring a goal, even if against the run of play and he hasn't had a very good game, you're still going to hear commentators – be like, oh, of course, it was always going to be Ronaldo, whereas maybe yeah. in that game, no, it was more likely to be somebody else. Koreshma was going to be the one to do it, but uh-huh. Ronaldo just happened the to Trevella. be there. Yeah, but I think that then the <laughs> – obviously with the Trevella. But then I think like the, the commentators naturally are going to build that narrative of like, what's Ronaldo doing? Where's Ronaldo? Oh, he had that yeah. shot. Oh, but he couldn't quite find space, but now he finally did. And they're ignoring all the other stuff that's happening in the game to allow Ronaldo to get yep. a shot off. All right, you ready for some more detailed sure. stuff? Okay, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are interested in – but don't always find it easy to know 
what the defensive plan of a team is. And yep. I'm thinking specifically of pressing. Okay. How, how are, are a team pressing mm-hmm. is one thing. When are they pressing? Where are they pressing? How are they pressing? All these things, I think, are more complicated than people think. Pressing isn't just yes or no. It's about how high up you do it and all that kind of stuff. So I'd love mm-hmm. to talk for a minute about how you identify where a team is pressing. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of different questions in there. So yeah, where, where do you want to go with first? Um, I, I, is a team pressing or not? I okay. guess that's the basic question. Mm-hmm. If you're just watching a game and you're like, all right, it's say to Liverpool and you're, you're asking, is this a game where they press or is this a game where they don't press? Um, that's actually a very bad example because maybe they always do. Well, it, no, it's, <laughs> it's actually not. I think that's a, a more helpful example because there's obviously different types of pressing. And here, yeah. if you're talking about Liverpool, if you're talking about a team that kind of employs that counter press, then I think a logical oh, place... Oh, we'll talk counter presses after, maybe. Well, but I think it's a good place to start is what happens when they turn the ball over is a good place to go with are they pressing or not. That if, if Liverpool lose the ball and they all just drop back or if any team loses the ball and they drop back okay. in, then you know right there... Okay, maybe they're pressing, but they're not doing the immediate counter press that yeah. teams do. So that's a good sign right there. You can tell, like, okay, they're not trying to win the ball back immediately as soon as they turn it over. And I guess if you're just looking to decide what a team's tactics are, look for what happens with any team. If they lose the ball while they're attacking, mm-hmm. um, what do they do? Like you said, do they drop back or mm-hmm. do they immediately, like, swarm and try and win it back yeah. high? And then you'll know this team is – that's called counter pressing, right? Mm-hmm. Lose the ball and try and win it back. Um, you'll know that a team is doing that or you'll know that a team is not doing that if they collapse back into defensive shape. Right. All right. So then uh, – after that, the next thing I will go with is uh, basically like when do you see a person start trying to apply direct pressure to a player on the ball? This is like so, when the opposition has the ball and we decide yeah. – mm-hmm. and you haven't just turned it over. The opposition maybe takes a goal kick, plays it short. Um, this is where we find yes. out is this team is the mm-hmm. other team pressing or not. Right. So you can see there like well how, how high up they're trying to engage gives yeah. you an idea. But then the next thing I look for is say it's uh, Barcelona and Luis Suarez goes charging forward. Yeah. The next thing I will immediately to, look for to is – To try and win a ball off a yeah. defender. Yeah. Who then goes with him or does someone go with him? Because yeah. if Suarez just goes sprinting forward to try to put a center back under pressure and everybody else is sitting off – then you can kind of guess from there that like, oh, he's just doing this on his yeah. own. So what I'll look <laughs> solo, it's a solo mission. Which you'll see sometimes. You'll see the person who's really up for it trying to kind of motivate the team and they'll yeah. go charging forward and then get really annoyed when everybody else hasn't. But that gone means with it them. wasn't the plan. Exactly. Right? It's just you you freelance that. Yeah. So then the next thing I'll look for <laughs> is like if Suarez goes charging down a center back, does everybody move with him? Is that the trigger? Yeah. Because then we look for like what is the pressing trigger that is sending people further forward? Because otherwise it's just a kind of inconsistent press. And yep. then you know, oh, the press is inconsistent, it means they're not doing it very well. All right, so some pressing triggers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be just that the furthest the farthest forward player initiates it because he decides to, and mm-hmm. that is just the trigger and the rest of the team goes with him, right? Yep. Um, another pressing trigger is the team with the ball plays the ball backwards, yep. right? If it goes from like a right back who's a little advanced and he goes deep to a centre back, a lot of teams will take that as, okay, they're, they're literally going backwards. Now's the time to force extra pressure. Um, a third, I'm really just trying to do this off the top of my head. Third one is a mistake. If you yep. see a, like say a centre back has the ball, mm-hmm. they pass to the other centre back, and that centre-back takes a heavy touch, and there's a momentary, like, yep. that's a time to go, right? That's a time to initiate the pressure when they're already a bit wobbly, yeah. right? And that's a way of making it more effective and less predictable. Yeah, and then the, the other one I would say is like almost like the trap press is a thing you can look for, which is, say you have your two centre-backs uh, spread wide for a goal kick taken short. If Daryl just goes running at one of the center backs, then the other center back is on. So it doesn't quite work there for me, but what I mean more so is, like, say Daryl is the forward, 
the ball goes to the left center back for whoever team you're defending, and now you've cut off the ball to the other center back and to the goalkeeper. Now if you see everybody kind of pounce on that, it's almost mm-hmm. like they're kind of setting the trap to get the other opposition into one area, and then they press. So it's also what... looking at like, okay, that pass is cut off, and now these other two midfielders come charging in. That's clearly the trigger. I think that's a really important thing. It's not just about putting pressure on the ball. It's about d- directing the ball where you want it to go, yeah. right? Like if Luis Suarez... Uh, presses someone, but he he presses them from uh, their left side. That means he's forcing them to their right, right? right? Which should mean that when that that player plays mm-hmm. the ball to their right, another a Luis Suarez teammate should be ready to pounce on that. That's setting the trap and and ready to take it. Right? Yeah, exactly. All right. We're going deep on pressing. We're almost in danger of doing a whole pressing episode here, which maybe isn't a bad thing. Um, another thing I want to talk about is the line of confrontation. Okay. So if there's not a straight up press like pressure on the ball, I I always look for how far forward is the uh, the highest line of the opposition defence? Mm-hmm. Meaning, essentially, the forwards. Where do they stand ready to tackle? Sometimes it's the halfway line. Sometimes it's way deeper than the halfway line. Sometimes it's all the way up in the goalkeeper's face. Mm-hmm. So I always look for where's the line of confrontation. I agree with that. The thing that maybe makes this more challenging or isn't very helpful, what I'm about to say, is I also look at like who is engaging in that confrontation and where because like like one thing i was noticing uh, De- uh travis and i did a thing about like like homegrown players who succeeded on the top draw soccer show we did uh and one of my concerns about uh miles robinson the atlanta center back was i kept seeing him uh his distribution was a little lackluster that was a point oh, really? i made but also i know i was kind of uh let down by that one but also i kept seeing him step out and like he was trying to make a play in the midfield for example as like a disruptor and i think that can work in a back 3 but if it's like one center back stepping out and the other one is staying home i think looking to see like who is stepping out and when and is that what they're supposed to be doing or is it just that they sort of like if a team is sitting off and sitting off and sitting off and they only have a line of confrontation when they think there's a loose yeah. ball but then one player goes marauding out to try to make a play again that helps you understand that i think that player is sort of breaking the system and doing their own yeah, thing yeah yeah that's, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I do want to not confuse this, but mm-hmm. when we talk about a confrontation, yeah. we're usually talking about the farthest forward right. player, mm-hmm. not the deepest player like Miles right. Robinson. But that does raise, you raise an interesting point, which is I love to look at what are the centre-backs doing, mm-hmm. what is the centre-back partnership, and sometimes it is that one defender is tasked with stepping high and trying to win a ball, and another is tasked with staying a little bit underneath him, mm-hmm. right? Which gets into what you were talking about with Miles Robinson. Yes, yeah. sir. So, yeah. So, I think, yeah, like, the centre-back positioning, definitely key. But then I just think more so, like, if, say, the team bypasses, gets into an attacking, like, like the team's defensive third, like, you and me, if we're, on the, like, if we're playing, the team has kind of gotten to attacking position, are we trying to, like, step and make sure they don't get any sort of chance, which is a little bit more of a press to me, versus, yeah. like, sitting off and sitting off and frustrating and frustrating and, like, forcing them into shots from distance? Then we can know that, like, the line of confrontation is probably fairly deep, but it's also the case that then we're not even trying to, like, step and win the ball. That's not the game plan. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've talked a lot mm-hmm. about defending. Yeah. What about um, identifying attacking game plans? Yeah, I mean, I think that goes back to, like, my point about patterns a little bit. Yes, that, like, I think that's who's true. on the ball the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are they trying to give the ball to the exactly. most? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think maybe those are the two key things. It's like, who's on the ball the most, and who do they clearly want to be on the ball the most? Because <laughs> if those are very different answers, that shows you that the defensive team is doing their job pretty yeah, effectively. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also what areas of the field are they concentrating yep. in, right? I always look at, is a team trying to slice passes through the middle and mm-hmm. attack through the middle? Are they sending direct balls to a target striker? Or... 
are they happily working the ball wide and going at the fullbacks? Because normally there's a bit more space out wide, mm. a bit more opportunity to isolate defenders and, and go at them. And I think it's really all about just watching, literally watch when a team receives the ball, what do they do? Mm-hmm. And do they do it repeatedly? Do they play long direct balls into a striker? Or do they try and pass through a central midfielder? Mm-hmm. Do they ping it out to the left back and try and get it up to the left winger? There's usually a plan of attack that a team has sort of decided on and is attempting to implement. Yes. And then maybe this is like slightly too nuanced or too, uh, like in my own brain impossible (laughs) but like also looking at what they're trying not to do and the best way i can explain this is like say like there's like a right midfielder who's like come more central has received the ball and there's an overlapping fullback you will occasionally see that player sort of see that pass know that that passes on and be like i I don't want to play that ball and like they'll play it more centrally and rather than again this goes to asking questions rather than like why would you play that it's on recognize that like well the only reason why you'd play the attacking fullback on is for that player to then cross the ball so they've maybe been told, don't cross the ball. I'm going to see how often they cross versus how often they try to keep the ball in the middle. Yeah. And like what they don't do can also show you what they're trying to do. That, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And okay. again, I think it's about answering the questions. When you say, why wouldn't they do that? He was on. Mm-hmm. Instead of just yelling at the TV, actually try and answer that question in your head. Yep. Why wouldn't they do that? There's probably a reason these people are professionals. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, my, my final like note that I had in, in my things uh, for how to watch a game tactically is that once you know the formation and once you think you have a rough idea of where the players are trying to be, see how it adjusts specifically after halftime. Uh, because mm. that's especially where... Especially Pochettino's coach. Especially Pochettino or maybe Tata Martino. Yeah. That, like, that tends to be the time that you'll see the coach be like, okay, we've been trying to get the ball to our left winger. They're like, like double marking him so now the left winger is going to come more central and we're going to yeah. try to create overloads in the middle. So if that left winger has been wide and left every single time in the first half and in the second half they're more central then you can sort of spot that by being like, well, wait, he was left, like, left wide the whole first half, and now he's not there anymore. I wonder what happened there. Yeah. That tells you what's happening. And I would argue if you have done the thing that we talked about at the top of the show where you sort of establish a baseline of knowing mm. what the formation is and where the players are, like this guy's on the left, this guy's on the right, this guy's behind him, um, you're then set up, you're in a position to notice changes. Yep. So you'll notice tactical changes faster than people who are just casually watching. Yeah, You will, absolutely. The other thing is, I think it's worth saying, you don't have to do this if you don't want nope. to. You Mm-mm. can just sit in a bar with a beer, yep. casually watch and just look up when the ball is in the attacking third and mm-hmm. like just look for the goals. There's nothing wrong with enjoying soccer that way. This show is kind of designed for those people who want to go to that next level and figure things out. I agree. I would add this, though, that like if you're watching it in a bar, like this is kind of my rule. When I'm watching stuff like in, a, in an area where I'm not really paying attention to it, I'm not really going to take much away from it. So I'm not going to get overly emotional about, oh, they won 3-0 or they lost 3-0. I'm going to be like, well... I don't really know what happened. And like I think that's the only issue I have with what you've just said is like if you're in a bar having a few drinks and then screaming about why didn't they do this, it's yeah. like, well, you weren't really paying attention, whereas the person who was on the field directing everything probably paid a little bit more attention than you did. Yeah, I mean, that, this mm-hmm. is still going to happen. Though. Yeah, that's true. Maybe, that's true. Maybe someone will hear this show and be convinced not to do that. You may have reduced the incidences of that by mm-hmm. 1% with this show. We'll see. Probably and that, I'm taking that as a victory. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> uh, my, my final, final, final point, if yeah. you don't mind. Uh, you mentioned earlier, like, watch the, watch the players off the ball or watch what's happening off the ball. Yeah. I would extend that to, like, watch individual players for, like, a couple-minute, like, chunk and see what they're doing. Because mm. a player, to go back to him, like Luis Suarez, we talk about all the time how he – stays in an offside position and uses that to try to pull the defense back. Or he'll shift from one defender to another while staying in an offside position to see what that defender does. But if you 
aren't paying attention to him and you're looking 40 yards like further back the field where, say, Gerard Piquet's on the ball and moving it back and forth with Mtiti or something, yeah. you're sort of not paying attention to everything that Luis Suarez is doing to create an opening and to get to space. And so when he gets the ball, oftentimes you'll hear like, oh, he just managed to find space. And yeah, it's like, yeah. no, he didn't. He spent 10 minutes working that yes. little gap. I'm actually really glad you raised this because I think – I think soccer is about creating and exploiting space yep. for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what happens off the ball is teams trying to create ex- space so they can then exploit it. right? Yeah. And you'll notice a lot of things happening off the ball where players are working very hard at trying to make that happen. But it's either not even on the screen mm-hmm. or it's on the periphery of, of where the ball is and the periphery of everybody's attention. And you'll notice a lot of really interesting like positional interchanges. The famous one, uh, that great Real Madrid team. Uh, the Zidane era team, the original Zidane era mm-hmm. team when he was coaching, had uh, what Benzema as a striker, Ronaldo as the left winger, but then Benzema would deliberately drift to the left wing and Ronaldo would cut back inside. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that Benzema would pull the centre back with him, bit of space opens up, Ronaldo runs through it yeah. and exploits it. Exactly. That's a real basic example of a thing that you, if you watch that off the ball, you'll see them trying to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. All right. I'm excited just talking about that. I mean, as, I'm not surprised <laughs> by that. Here's, are, you, are you done with your ways to talk? Because I have one I guess more. things keep coming to me. Well, I have, we, I have, can, we can roll as long as we roll. I have a weird question for you. Uh, this, is, this is more like, like Daryl and Taylor time for a okay. second. So I tend to be more <laughs> interested in history and then like military history, military strategy and tactics and stuff like that, yeah. which I think is like to your point about like you want to attack the area where the defender isn't. Like that's a fundamental idea of like warfare throughout history. Yeah. But you are not a person who's as, as – as I understand it, at least, is big into, like, military history, Not strategy, really, no. and stuff like that. Even strategy, like, video games. So, yeah. like, do, do, what do you think it is that then appeals to you about soccer tactics? Is it just that you enjoy the game? It's No, it's what you said earlier about wanting to know why something happened. Gotcha. Right? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if, if a result happens, I want to know how did this happen and why. Okay. You know what I mean, I was that kid who was always why, 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 why. <laughs> so the parents got <laughs> that, to the end, and that does no, not surprise there's me. There's no answer, but, but at least because now that which is can't not be right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but at least now I'm not phoning my mum and dad back home and asking them, yeah. why did Spurs win? Like instead, I figure it out for myself. I wish that were still kind of the case. <laughs> that they were like still prepared for that. Like, well, Harry Kane wasn't fit. Yeah. Like, like they're ready to like, go. I didn't even watch. I don't like football. <laughs> Ask me about tennis. <laughs> so yeah, okay. Same question to you. Why? Why are you interested in doing this? Because I feel like whenever we do this in the office, you're mm-hmm. not annoyed by it. And like, oh, we got to figure this out. You're yeah. engaged and you're into it. And I'd love to know. I'd love to know why that is for you. I think because, um, like, generally, I think it's the same thing you said. Like, I want to know why something happened or what the yeah. coach is trying to do. But I think that's the bigger thing for me is we'll have these moments every now and then. I always go back to, and I can't remember the specifics, but do you remember the Mexico game in Copa America Centenario, I think it was, when like Juan Carlos Osorio set up in a certain way yep. and then literally from kickoff they went long and then completely changed the yep. shape. Against Uruguay. Like that to me, like we kept going back and going back and going back when we rewatched it to figure out like when did they change their shape and to discover that it's basically from kickoff, which means he set up in a way to make their like opponent think like, oh, they're definitely doing this. Yeah, he sent the message, ge- this is us. Exactly. Diego Reyes it was. Yes. I think was in midfield and then went to the back. Yeah. Like those moments of seeing that like, ooh, that was like a huge part of their game that they were trying to disguise and being able to spot those moments Mm -hmm. that end up having a huge impact on the game I find that incredibly interesting because you love like easter eggs in movies and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and knowing the little things so maybe it's that it's the equivalent of that right it's like having the the little easter egg extra enjoyment of knowing about the next level things I feel like your answer is better (laughs) because mine is just more pedantic (laughs) but but yeah like I think we both enjoy it it's alright I think like but then I do look at it from a 
like almost the military history aspect perspective of like, oh, this is like Alexander the Great, like splitting his cavalry and like, do, like and sending them back towards the center because that ended up being the like that stuff of like attacking areas that shouldn't be vulnerable but are because of other things you've done. Yeah, that is the like the crazy anarchic but planned out aspect of soccer that can happen. I find so fascinating to go back and watch because it shows you how alert to the moment these players are and just yeah. how smart they are to be uh-huh. able to know that like I am making this run so 15 runs later this person is open and yeah. I do think there are coaches who are like that that is fascinating and amazing and slightly terrifying to me because <laughs> that person in another world is Genghis Khan but instead Pep Guardiola coaches Man City well that's <laughs> do you think in the modern era yes I absolutely do <laughs> all these generals would have been soccer coaches he is like he is one oil shortage away from being a warlord yeah. yes that's Pep Guardiola as, as soon as we split the atom yes. all that was out the window and everybody became a soccer coach exactly <laughs> uh, alright that seems like a good note to end <laughs> I guess um, if you want to hear us do this to a game, yeah. like to break down games, we do it regularly on our <laughs> other show, The Total Soccer Show. This is our, other, our original show. It's been going 10 years. Um, it publishes Monday through Friday. I'm saying this because there's a chance that someone's listening to Soccer 101 doesn't know about The Total Soccer Show. Wherever you found this podcast, you can also find The Total Soccer Show, and I'll guarantee there's a recent episode. I'm glad you will guarantee that. I'm glad you will do all of that housekeeping work you just did, because <laughs> up here I'm still thinking about how I want to uh, patent and copyright a flower that grows and blossoms at the exact point every single season so it can be a regular lily. <laughs> <laughs> I normally do the bad puns. You're welcome. <laughs> thank, you for ta- thank you for taking over. My um, pleasure. If you enjoyed Soccer 101, it is a new show. We want it to launch as big as possible. Please, I mean, it's not new if you listen to mm-hmm. it two years from now, but please share it with a friend, share it with an acquaintance, yep. <laughs> share it with a workplace proximity associate. Here are these lunatics talking about Genghis Khan and medieval <laughs> battle strategy, but also soccer. Enjoy. Um, public, if you could like share the, uh, the, the Apple podcast mm-hmm. link to the show on Twitter, that would be great. Just get the word out there about Soccer 101. All right, I'll end by saying I've been Daryl Grove. I've been Taylor Rockwell. Thank you for listening to Soccer 101.